Welcome in everyone to Scoop Du Jour. I'm Jordan Black. You know when someone is equally as nice as they are hardworking? I feel like maybe that's a theme with Scoop Du Jour, but that is especially the case with our guest this week, Tom Hannafin. He is such a nice guy, and I can attest to that because we had the opportunity to work on another project together after actually this episode was recorded. So I had the pleasure of working with him on a football show and got to know him quite a bit offline, um, which is kind of rare for some of my guests who I just reach out to and ask if they want to be part of the show um, and then meet them through interviewing them and then get to know them. But what's really cool about Tom is we kind of got to know each other um, through this side project after doing this interview, as I said. Now, through this interview, I got to meet Tom Hanavan. So let's introduce him. He is a wrestling commentator and sports broadcaster. Um, the first wrestling guest we've had on the show, which is really neat because wrestling is not something I know much about. He's commentated for WWE and now does a lot of work with Impact Wrestling, which is a huge and really interesting organization. So he tells us all about his career trajectory, his day-to-day, -day, what it takes to kind of get ready for this line of work and how much goes into it. Um, like I said, what it took to get into this and how he kind of got his big break. He also has a podcast about Penn State. So we talk a lot of college sports um, and then just get to know him. One of the really cool things that um, I will use as a teaser, if you will, is I asked him who the coolest contact in his phone is and you won't want to miss that. So um, really excited to introduce Tom Hannafin to Scoop Du Jour, um, a really great follow on social media. If you love sports, any type of sports, he is um, as great a human as he is a sports aficionado. So if you like this episode and any others of Scoop Du Jour, as always, encourage you to like, subscribe, follow, rate, review, and tell your friends about the show. And without further ado, here is this week's episode of Scoop Du Jour with Tom Hannafin. <laughs> Welcome into Scoop Du Jour, Tom Hannafin. I'm so excited to have you, broadcaster, play-by-play -play commentator, our first wrestling-oriented guest on Scoop Du Jour. This is exciting because, Tom, you and I were talking before we hit record, which is my favorite thing to do, get all of the juicy stuff before hitting that red button, um, that I am not a wrestling connoisseur. First of all, welcome in. Um, I'm so excited to have you and to learn about you and to learn about your passion for this sport. Um, let's talk about how you got into this, but also just th this crazy story you were telling me. You were looking for a job after after college. So, tell me that story. Yeah. So I think anybody that's gone to college for broadcast journalism in the last 10, 20 years has graduated school and been like, now what? You know, you're trying to find a job. It's a it's always been a tough job market. It really has. And it's evolved so much in the last 10, 15 years. It's so competitive uh, the way that social and digital media have evolved. It's just there's fewer jobs and everybody's really working hard to get those spots. So when I graduated Penn State in 2011, um, I was working in state college uh, at a nearby Division three school, Juniata College, calling their men's women's basketball, doing their football. 
I was making 50 bucks a game. Obviously, that was not going to cut it in terms of paying my bills. I was working at an Olive Garden as well to try and make ends meet. So, you know, it was really it was a glamorous time. And I have a lot of uh, questions about that. Sure. Oh, yeah, we'll get, we'll get to that in, in a second. But yeah, I had found a job lead online in 2012 uh, saying that WWE was hiring. It was on a website that I still recommend to uh, kids that are in college now. It's called staatalent.com. Yeah. A lot of good job leads. You probably heard of it. Yeah. And my roommate at the time was like, try it, you know, apply, see what happens. You might screw up. Who cares? At least it'll be a good story, right? It, it's WWE. And so I auditioned in June of 2012 and I thought it went okay. I thought I had, you know, some good play-by-play stuff. I was a little worried about the interview stuff and uh, some other things on camera, pitching things, selling things. I wasn't really too confident in that. Didn't have a ton of experience in it at that point. And I was very very fortunate, very lucky that they took flyer on me and hired me in September 2012. I worked there for about nine years. And then as of January 2022, I started working with Impact Wrestling, which has been such a wonderful experience for me. And the company overall is just rolling. And if you'd asked 18-year-old me, hey, do you think you'll wind up working in pro wrestling one day? He'd have been like, no, what are you talking about? But I was just lucky that I got introduced to this world that while I was interested in as a kid, like a lot of people are, can't say I was a diehard fan. I've been straight up about that for many years and I just fell in love with it. And now this is my, not only is it my job, but it's my passion and everything that I get to be a part of with impact. It's just so fulfilling. I I can't put it into words entirely. Yeah. So for those who don't know, now you're with impact, like you said, and you were with WWE and you started backstage from what I understand as a reporter. And then they kind of brought you in like tell tell us how the the transition went and and how you kind of worked your way up through what is this iconic brand uh, of wrestling yeah i really just had no idea what i was getting into i was 23 you know i really had not gotten a ton of experience in sports broadcasting broadcasting of any kind so i did a lot of things in their studio in connecticut and they taught me basically how to walk as a broadcaster, a lot of baby steps working in the studio, working on a prompter, working off a prompter, all sorts of things, working with a partner and then eventually sending me to their TV tapings that they were doing down in Orlando, Florida for a show called NXT, which is on USA now at this point. At that point in time, they had other play by play announcers. So like, all right, you're going to be, you know, a backstage interviewer. And, you know, it's scripted. You're so you're not so much being the reporter who's catching, you know, a player after the game, be like, wow, you had 38 points and 12 rebounds. How did you do it? You know, whatever. No, you have a script. So you're, you're acting to a degree. So I don't think either you or I went to broadcast journalism school to try and get an acting degree. So there's a lot of things you learn on the fly, uh, work behind the scenes, uh, doing that sort of thing for a while. And then eventually got a shot doing play by play on NXT called up to, what was referred to as the main roster to do some stuff on a show called uh, main event uh, superstars was another show as well. And then gradually over time, got opportunities on WWE's biggest shows like SmackDown raw major pay-per-views like WrestleMania, the Royal rumble survivor series, SummerSlam. Uh, I just got very fortunate that I was put in a lot of positions to succeed with a lot of really good people. I learned a ton of things along the way. And again, it was just something that I came into it really not knowing what I was about to deal with. But I'm so glad I experienced all these things. You know, what stuck out to me that you said is like that 
there's an acting element and I've always thought it's so interesting. Broadcasting is not acting, right? It's as real as it gets, but there is this element where you have to come to work every day and put on no matter how you're feeling, right? Because you're in front of a camera and everyone sees you, whether you're in a tiny market like I started, Greenville, Mississippi, and there's a town of 30,000 or you're on pay-per-view, right? So how did you find that element of really acting, but having gone to school for broadcast journalism where you're taught to just be so authentic and real? How did you manage those two things? It It took a while. It just took a lot of trial and error because you have to believe it. You have to believe that, oh, my God, he just betrayed his best friend and then walk backstage and see them be like, hey, you OK? You good? Oh, that was awesome. Yeah, that was great. Oh, you, you hit me with the chair. That was awesome. So you have to believe these things. And it took me years to really let it sink in. The psychology of pro wrestling, so to speak, is very, very unique. There's almost nothing like it. You do have to separate yourself from anything you might have learned in sports broadcasting because statistics for the most part aren't the biggest thing there it's not like baseball where it's like this is the guy's era when he plays on the west coast or something like that it's no it's more the story it's the emotion i'd say it's closer to whatever your favorite tv show is and that those actors mm-hmm. know where the story is going but you're discovering it as a fan as everything goes by and then I remember hearing it described at one point by uh, current WWE superstar Xavier Woods that it's the last true example we have of theater in the round. I'd say outside of Cirque du Soleil, it's theater in the round. You have to work the entire venue. You have to work 360 degrees. You have to work the cameras at home. There's so many elements to it. And then for us on commentary or if you're a backstage interviewer, you're acting, you're voice acting. Mm. You have to you have to emote and put out a lot of energy, but you're in this situation. Like I am right now, you're sitting here. Like most actors have the opportunity to be standing, to be mobile, to really throw themselves into the scene. Imagine being seated and screaming at the top of your lungs that somebody was committing, you know, bloody murder, so to speak at the middle of the ring. It it doesn't come overnight. And I remember being told very early on in WWE that they're like, this is going to take you 10 years to comprehend this. I'm very fortunate I've been in this field now for 11 years and I feel very, very good about my body of work and I'm just continuing to improve upon it every single week. And I'm glad I can do that with impact. It's just been, uh, it it feels like a company that's trending in the right direction. I'm glad to be a part of it. What are some of the coolest things you've been a part of, whether it's like a crazy storyline or an interesting place you've been? Like, take us back to something new. I mean, there's probably a long list, like, Lay it, lay it out. Yeah, uh, there's there's a million of them. Um, I'd say the craziest thing is I've been slapped on television by Stephanie McMahon. So for Stephanie real Mc- slapped for real slapped. So for those that don't know, Stephanie McMahon is a longtime uh, on screen character, but far more importantly, a longtime member of WWE's management. Obviously, a part of the McMahon family. Stephanie oh. is a wonderful person. Uh, I remember, I think it was December of 2015. It was a few days before Christmas. Uh, There was a storyline on TV where at the time Stephanie was playing uh, a bad guy and she was a member of the uh, the authority figures on the show and the management on the show. But she was a bad guy and she had hatched some plan to ruin things. I believe it was for Roman Reigns at the time and everything goes up in smoke. 
maybe it was Dean Ambrose. I can't remember who it was. Anyway, she uh, everything goes up in smoke. And then my role as the interviewer was to go up to her the very last minute on the air and ask her, you know, how you feeling about, you know, all your plans going up in smoke. Now, I knew about all of this in advance is that the story idea was for her to slap me. Now, Stephanie McMahon has famously slapped a lot of people on screen uh, for, in WWE as part of the storyline. You know, no, I, I can't imagine if there are surprises, but I imagine they were all real. And uh, I remember being backstage there, and I know uh, it was challenging for me because I'd really maybe been in one and two, one or two fights in my entire life. <laughs> so having a, a strike come to you and you know it's going to happen and you have to allow it to happen is a very different thing than just kind of being in the moment with something. Yeah. And uh, she she got me real good. There was a nice shiner under my eye after the fact. Uh, and you just kind of have to grit and bear it. And then the difficult thing coming back to acting is that knowing it's coming, uh, I, you can't flinch. You have to just stand there and take it like it's real. So <laughs> it was it was very real. Wait, and then afterwards, like, what, what what did you guys say to each other? Did she apologize? She and yeah, there's nothing to apologize for because it's all part of the plan, right? So you know, everybody's like, "Are you okay?" I was like, really? "Yeah, I was okay," and went back and checked with the powers that be, and they want to make sure I was okay. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm great." Like they were unbelievably good to me because I had been approached about the thing hours and hours beforehand. Uh, I was taken care of before, after, during. Like everybody looked after me. Like I couldn't have been in better hands. It's just uh, you know that that's what the scene called for, and that's sometimes what your job can be in professional wrestling is sometimes there's a little physicality involved <laughs> that is wild and i i i think it'd be worse knowing um versus like you said just ha having no idea and just getting in a fight um oh, yeah. which reminds me that so you don't necessarily have a you know like many of us sports broadcasters we just get into this job because we love sports but we didn't necessarily play college football or basketball especially me um but in high school you you ran track and i saw you pl played backgammon which is very interesting yeah so i think that's something somebody put up as a joke on my Re wikipedia oh. yeah i never played backgammon okay we have to edit wikipedia that's the whole point of wikipedia i've never i never look at it i've been asked that question a couple times and i'm like where i'm like looking from? at my notes played get backgammon <laughs> I, I mean, I'm like, yeah. not that that's a sport, but I was like, okay, I guess I need to. Yeah, let let me ask this there. nerd about this. No, so I did. I did run track. Okay. I ran the. I ran the 100 and the four by one, and then I also played football from freshman year to senior year of high school. I played uh, baseball a little bit when I was a kid. I played soccer a little bit when I was a kid. But yeah, in high school, I played uh, quarterback, wide receiver, and safety at different points, and then uh, the hundred and the four by one in track and field. Maybe someone will link to this podcast as an update to the Wikipedia page. Yeah, just something. Like, who who plays backgammon that is under 85? I don't know. No, and also, is backgammon considered a sport? Because to me, yeah. that's a board game. I, I have no idea. I'm going to be real honest with you, Jordan. I don't think I've ever played backgammon. No, and like you said, <laughs> you have to be over 85. So, <laughs> I mean, I think we don't qualify as backgammon players. Um, that's also... Uh, a testament to, I guess, checking your your links and your fact check and write Wikipedia. Also, I don't bad. check Wikipedia, so that's also probably a healthy thing too. Um. Okay. All of that said, though, so 
run track, play high school sports, but go to college at, at Penn State because you're from Pennsylvania and and love Penn State. Like, what leads you there? Um, and what leads you into like becoming Penn State super fan besides being an alum? Well, I was born I was born and raised in it. So my mom was class of 78 nursing at Penn State. So we grew up with the Penn State blue band fight songs playing in the house on a cassette tape just on a loop. Uh, so we were indoctrinated at a young age in a good way. And I remember seeing uh, LeVar Arrington, a legend of Penn State football, live play at Beaver Stadium. Uh, every other snap, I'm like, where's LeVar? Where's LeVar? So uh, you just kind of fall in love with it from such an early age and being in Pennsylvania most of my life and being around other Penn Staters, it just became part of our lives. And my brother went to Penn State. He was two years ahead of me. He graduated uh, as part of the NROTC program. I've uh, got a political science degree. So I you know, tagged along after him like a lot of little brothers do. And I went into the communication school. I started at Penn State Altoona my first two years. So uh, I went to main campus my junior year, had a wonderful experience. Um, that's one of the nice things about Penn State is that there's all these satellite campuses that you can take advantage yeah. of. A lot of people that I've known that have gone online or gone locally because they still want the education or the experience. But there's just nothing like that big school type of feel. I think if I'm correct, you're a Tar Heel, whatever, correct? I'm wearing my um, Tar Heel sweatshirt right now. There you go. There you go. Now, my dad. You did uh, your it, correct research. I probably, did. <laughs> but I don't have a Wikipedia. Now, my dad <laughs> did go to Duke. So should I press unrecord? And uh, this might be the end of this interview. Yeah. I, you know, I've interviewed so many people who have Duke connections and, and Tar Heels too. And we have a mutual respect is what I always say. We can all be friends. But do you root for Duke? Uh, occasionally as I got out of college, I was more leaning towards following Penn state basketball than I was, uh, Duke. I think I was following Duke basketball mostly into college. And then once I was there, a part of Penn state kind of turned my fandom elsewhere. And then once I started working the, the breakneck schedule in WWE, I wasn't paying attention to college basketball as much anymore, but, uh, yeah, still keep tabs on Duke, keep tabs on Penn state basketball altogether. That, that's fair. And you know, what I always say for Duke fans is like, if you have a reason, to like Duke, that's fine. I meet all of these people who are like, I love Duke. And then it's just because they like them, but they don't have a family member or didn't go to Duke. And again, I understand a lot of people just like teams to like teams, but a lot of people sure. just like Duke because they were powerhouses or a powerhouse at some point. And I wish they had more of a connection. So we will allow your, you know, um, liking Duke. Thank you. I so, appreciate that. Um, approved. Approved um, fandom. <laughs> Um, so at Penn state, that's when you kind of got into commentary. Is that correct? Yeah. So, uh, when I was, gosh, I think I was a sophomore in high school. I had an injury and I wasn't able to play, uh, in a football game. So I asked if I could do PA announcements cool. and, uh, my friend and I at the time had way too much fun with it. We got in trouble because we were just kind of going a little overboard, didn't say anything inappropriate, but like, if you were the opposing team, you'd be like, come on, man. You know? So, uh, I had fun with it, but I think like a lot of people that want to get into sports broadcasting, you turn on the TV and you hear these people do this and you see them talk on camera and you're like, Oh, that looks like fun. You get to go to the game. You get to talk about it. You know, some people maybe even naively look at it and think, oh, that that looked easy. 
I could do that. And it's extremely difficult. So I was very fortunate to get to go to Penn State and be a part of their college communications. I worked at Com Radio, which is their student radio to this day. Worked under uh, Jeff Brown, who's a phenomenal manager for the radio to this day as well. Some wonderful people like Mike Porman, who's still in the College of Communications and some other fabulous professors. So that's where I really got to start doing play-by-play and also learning color commentary, learning talk radio. Remember radio when that was a thing? Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) And uh, at that point, podcasting really had not blown up or I don't even I don't even really remember when it started necessarily so yeah it there were a lot of things that I just learned the basics of when I was at Penn State so while I was I felt informed and prepared and ready to be a play-by-play guy or a you know a reporter or something like that everything that I went on to do especially in pro wrestling just nothing would have truly prepared for it but I at least had a fabulous pedigree from Penn State now, when you prepare, as you're talking about, for commentary for impact wrestling, what does the prep look like for something that is scripted, if you will? It's just knowing where the story is going. And we have the gift of foresight. So, for instance, you know, currently watching the NBA playoffs, wouldn't you love to know exactly where Celtics 76ers is going? Well, oh, my gosh, if Joel Embiid winds up in the finals and he wins the the championship and the MVP, what a great story that is and all these little breadcrumbs you could leave along the way. Well, we have that gift because we understand where the stories are going so we can drop in certain things. And then there's other elements that I don't want to know because I want to respond organically, kind of like you were saying about conventional sports play-by-play, you're reacting in the moment. I think of all the great Mike Breen calls uh, covering the NBA since we're on the subject and just how organic and natural they feel and you can hear his enthusiasm and his excitement. We're trying to communicate the same thing, but then it's also making sure, hey, did that word hit perfectly for this character? Does this describe the true actions? Did this person earn this opportunity or did they just capture it? And there's a lot of different things. They steal this, that they take this, they win this. There's a lot of different little things that can completely change the complexion of a story. And the same thing goes again in conventional television, conventional movies that you see is that we're telling broader stories, but we have to be very, very specific on commentary because one word can change the entire picture of it. And you got to backtrack all these things. So especially when it comes to preparing for a broadcast, I'd like to have my stats and my historical figures, but I only utilize them when they reinforce the story that we're trying to communicate because otherwise they're just superfluous. That's so interesting because I feel like for someone like I was saying, who's almost an outsider, not almost, but is to the wrestling world, you see it as all not not being authentic really for lack of a better term but there is so so much that like you're saying you don't want to know um and i think that'd be a really interesting element for folks to hear who aren't as familiar like myself um i'm curious too what else people who aren't familiar might not know that would be interesting uh, about pro wrestling specifically yeah. there, there's so many layers to it i mean Pro wrestling, I've heard a million people say, oh, well, it's fake. So is succession. That's not a real story. Okay. Now, we are telling stories that have kernels of truth, but we are 
exaggerating things. We're trying to play on all those things. It's why normal sports are so great is because we know there's like, Ooh, there's this drama between this person and this person. And it just gets blown up within the, the throes of competition. That's the beauty of it. Well, in pro wrestling, we can take that maybe kernel of truth and we can really stretch that. Uh, what is not fake about pro wrestling is the physicality. Uh, that ring hurts. I have maybe fallen in a ring once or twice intentionally <laughs> It hurts a great deal. These people put their bodies on the line on a regular basis, and what they're able to accomplish from an athletic standpoint is eye-popping. There are very few athletes on the planet who can, they, who can do what they do. It's the equivalent of being a stuntman in a movie, but then you have to turn around and deliver the lines of the leading man. It's a rarity to find people who are yeah. truly, truly gifted in this, and we're very fortunate with Impact our roster is outstanding. We got a lot of people who could do some awesome things in the ring, on the mic, backstage, media, you name it. There's so much that gets asked of you. Um, I think especially in professional wrestling, um, you know, for instance, people are like, well, why is there a referee in there? Well, the referee is part of the dance as well. The referee is in there to help be a facilitator of communication to the wrestlers in the ring and the story that they're telling. Because things happen, things go wrong, injuries can happen, etc. There's direct communication with the backstage area. A lot of people might not fully understand that, but that yeah. is the extension of the backstage production crew in the ring to assist with what is going down. And then especially, it's a television product. So you and I both know that if you're watching any sort of sport, you got to take an ad break, right? Well, a wrestling match just can't go on and on and on and on and on. There needs to be an ad break. So these people while they're trying to put together a planned choreograph match, uh, they also have to hit a specific time. So imagine trying to be in there and be like, hey, you've got to punch me and throw me to the outside and then get me back inside cover and kick me. And then, well, we got to go to break in five seconds and we got to make it look compelling so that you'll stay tuned when we come back on the other side of the break. There's a million layers to it. It's, it's very complicated, but it's so much fun. We had... Um on an earlier episode of Scoop DeJoran in season one, um, a player from the Savannah Bananas. And it kind of reminds me. How much fun, little, right? So fun. And I've never been to a game, but um, it's a hyper fixation of mine is their TikTok. Um, the fact that people think like they're not playing baseball, right? Like they're playing baseball, but it's entertainment. Yeah. So and, and one of the things that, that Michael, the player, described is like, we're still playing the game of baseball. We've just changed some of the rules and the entertainment value. And, and isn't that the great thing about sport is that every sport is there to entertain. Um, and I think that's what you're describing as well. It's entertainment. It's just in a different, a different form. I'm curious what the best place you've been because of Impact or WWE, um, what, what the the, the sport where the best place um the sport has brought you oh man well i've been very fortunate to work in uh london in the uk uh a handful of times i mean the the fans there are so much so much fun i just love the pace of life all together in the uk uh so i've always enjoyed that the fans in canada are awesome they are ravenous for pro wrestling yeah. for us in impact we were just in toronto ontario canada for a rebellion pay-per-view very fortunate that we have this great fan base in canada but at the same time i believe i've been to 44 out of 50 states cool. and i forget how many countries at this point but i'm just 
very lucky that I could say that I've been to all these little corners of the country and the world and seen places that otherwise I never would have seen. And it's uh, it's just given me this great life and all these great opportunities. Met so many people that I like you, you ever go into your contacts and you're like, I wonder how many people are. And you're like, that's too many people. There shouldn't be that many people on this phone. And you try and delete names or something like that. If you haven't talked to them in 10 years or something like that, but just very fortunate that I've made a lot of really uh, great connections over the years. I thought you were going to tell us the most famous person in your contacts. Um, I'd say it's Ric Flair. Yeah. I'd say it's Ric Flair. Whoa. Yeah. Rick's Rick's a great guy. Rick's a great guy. He's a, uh, he's a good time. Always. What, what is he, is he like how he seems? Yes, 100%. No, he's a very sweet, endearing man. Uh, very fortunate that I've had a, a shared a drink or two with Rick. So uh, he, he he knows how much respect I have for him. I was really, really touched to be a part of an event that went down last year in Nashville um, called Ric Flair's Last Match. It was put on by Jim Crockett Promotions uh, and some mutual friends between Impact Wrestling and other wrestling promotions. So to be asked to be at that event, um, in, and to contribute in some small way meant the world to me. I was absolutely humbled. Uh, Rick and I had worked together in WWE, and uh, he's, he's just always been such a great person to deal with. So uh, it's, it is kind of crazy. Yeah, I'd say that far and away, Ric Flair is the most famous person on my phone. Yeah, I'm, I was like, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big one. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm fortunate. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a big deal. We won't ask you for the phone number. Um, <laughs> Aside from wrestling, what is your favorite sport to watch? I'm I'm assuming it has to do with Penn State, but I'll let you answer. Yeah, it's a, that's a good guess. Uh, no, I am a football junkie. Like when I say that, it's not just like oh, I like Penn State football. It's like no, I am a, I'm a Philadelphia guy, so I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. But I am an NFL fan. I am a college football fan at virtually every level of college football. I'm talking about FBS, FCS. If I'm in a pinch, I will watch D2, D3 football. I have watched the XFL. I've watched the USFL. I pretty regularly pay attention to the Canadian Football League as well. I was big into the Arena Football League when I was a kid. Uh, when I was living in Orlando between 2016 and 2019, I was interested in the Alliance of American Football and the Orlando Apollos. Like, I need a life. Uh, it doesn't so, matter what it is. If it's football and it's on, you will watch it. If there's a pigskin flying through the air, I'm interested. Yeah. And you go to a lot of games. You watch them on TV both. I, I, I far and away watch more games on TV. I have made it a point in the last year or two to try and go to more games outside of the normal games I've gone to for most of my life in terms of like home Eagles games, home Penn State games. Those are great places to be and there's nothing that's ever going to replace home but this past year i was very lucky that within the span of a couple of months i went to my first canadian football league game in oh. hamilton ontario canada i went to penn state versus auburn in auburn alabama which was a oh, great experience and then i got to go to a home game at penn state uh and i got to see penn i'm sorry i got to see the eagles versus the titans in philadelphia in early december so i mean got to a lot of games which was really really cool uh, I'm also the type of person that like, you know, I remember spending some time in the state of Maine and I went to a University of Maine football game on my own just because I wanted to go. And I had a great time on my own. Like I was in paradise. I just I just love it. I love the sport. I got to play it a little bit when I was a kid. I played some 
uh, Pee Wee football in uh, in Connecticut, uh, the Farmington Mudhogs with the Golic boys, and then went on to high school and uh, played a little bit there, got injured a lot, and still love the sport to this day. Just when you were taking a break from backgammon, you played football. Yeah, taking a break. You know, yeah. I just wanted to. I just wanted to focus because backgammon right. is just so all encompassing. So rigorous. You know? I know. What did What did you make of the Eagles draft? Loved it. I really loved it. I mean, we're basically the Georgia Bulldogs. Which I, is yeah, fantastic. you saw they changed all their Twitter handles, but they it's about buy. time. Yeah, yeah, it's about or time. their we Twitter bio. Should, I should say we should just which wear. That was funny. I for, for one game we should just wear red and black. Just for one game, it I would be a funny black. actually like brand act if you will is you know it'd kind of be or like they could make money off of it and just sell merch oh yeah um and okay so then you went to a game at auburn and i'm curious as a big 10 guy what your take of going to a game in the sec was it was really great uh the fans were outstanding they were classy they were very welcoming very nice to us the atmosphere was so much fun and we really kicked the hell out of Auburn. So it wasn't necessarily like, oh, the mighty SEC took us down. No, we totally. we swept them 2-0 in the series. So I felt pretty good about that. Granted, Auburn is down, so everything uh, in the appropriate perspective. But the tailgating experience was great. Uh, fans that we met, you know, outside the stadium, you know, even at the hotel that saw us were in Penn State stuff. They were very welcoming. Want to make sure we were having a good time, knew where to go, what to see, what to do. Uh, everything was just great. Uh, the stadium environment was awesome and it, it helps when you win. That was really good. That reminds me that, um, going to a game at Penn state, a whiteout is on my sports. Bucket yes. list. What is on your sports bucket list? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I've gotten, I think like a lot of Americans, I've got into F1 drive to survive on Netflix. So I really want to go to an F1 event, uh, whether that's in North America or overseas. I think, okay. you know, the crown jewel is Monaco. So, I mean, something yeah. in F1 would be great. Um, God, I thought about this not long ago. Um, I've been to NHL games. I've been to NBA games. I've been to Major League Baseball games. Um, I'd love to see an English Premier League game uh, in, okay. the, in the UK. That would be amazing. The environment there, again, is just outrageous it seems they're just ravenous for those for those teams so i would love to see something of that ilk but yeah those are the two big ones that jump out to me do you watch ted lasso yes yes definitely gotten into ted lasso do you what else do you like to watch on tv this is the rapid fire question no i love this i just asked um, you about your personal life that's okay no i'm into ted lasso uh i also watch uh letter kenny you know what letter kenny is no Letter Kenny's a Canadian comedy uh, that I think is like 11 seasons and it's just uh, it's ridiculous. And then there's a spinoff show that if you're into sports, and I know you are, uh, there's a spinoff show from Letter Kenny called Shorzy and it's about hockey. It's okay. like a, a, a funny love letter to hockey. It's, oh. it's the best. Um, I like 30 Rock. I like Parks and Recreation. Um, I've been watching Dave on FX. I've been a long, long time fan of Will Dickey and the Dave show all together. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, a lot of examples there. Okay. We, it seems like you like a lot of Canadian cultural things. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why that is. I don't know why that is. I think that's mostly, uh, you know, I started working for impact and impacts parent company Anthem sports and entertainment is based in Toronto. Uh, My boss, Scott Demore is Canadian. So I think it's just naturally oozing through like my in, veins. Yeah. Like maple syrup. Yeah. I think it's just okay. a natural progression. So speaking of food, Talk to us about the time that you worked at Olive Garden, mm. what your favorite thing to eat was. 
what that experience was like. Hey, Wasn't everyone family? When you're there, you're family. Yeah. Uh, it was a magical experience. My friend Sean uh, got me the job there. He was working there as a waiter. I got a job uh, as a seating host initially. And eventually I moved to the to-go counter where I was filling you know, to-go orders. That seems uh, like a promotion. Yeah, it was a promotion. It was yeah. definitely better. Um, there, there's just a lot of aspects of serving, you know, quote unquote, Italian food in central Pennsylvania. So my family actually is uh, a little bit Italian on my mm -hmm. mom's side. So to hear people say, oh, I'll have the ganaki and I'll have the minestron, your eyes just roll into the back of your head. So um, I was trying yeah. to be like, what is minestron? And then I was like, oh, mm -hmm. oh. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. The, min the minestrone the, soup. The famous, the famous minestrone soup. The famous minestrone, yeah. Uh, the, yeah. The, the, the minestrone soup, uh, the, <laughs> the minestrone soup uh, and uh, the gnocchi soups and all that. Like those were, those were the safest, I'll put it that way, the safest options in terms of caloric intake because once you and see... Bread. Uh, yeah, so the breadsticks. Um, you, Do know, you know like something about the breadsticks? Those are like 250 calories a pop. Oh, you're just saying they're unhealthy. Yeah, you're not saying I mean, they're like, bad. Uh, no, they're not bad for you necessarily. Like they're delicious. They're obviously they go right, down right. very easily. But, but if you if you walk into Olive Garden thinking that oh I'm gonna walk out having had a healthy meal, no right. The the, the calories might say otherwise. The food's what? gonna be great, but <laughs> what what is the what is an average salad? Depending on how much cheese you put on it, uh, it can oh, be yeah, north of 500 calories because you can put a lot of vinegar and stuff like that on it. There's a lot of dressings that go with it. So the, the croutons are like the size of this microphone. I have huge. a funny story about the breadsticks. Hit me. Um, when I was working in Arkansas, I worked with this meteorologist who just was so quirky and um great guy. Like if if he hears this, he I think he will enjoy this. Like he was the type of guy who would eat like frosting for dinner or like from the tub and just like mm. kind of like childish foods and um like um i i mean I, that's a perfect example so one time uh for a dinner break he solely came back with breadsticks from olive garden and i was like oh that's amazing you went to olive garden for dinner um what did you get for dinner and he was like you're looking at it i got the breadsticks nothing else no dip no Pasta, no minestrone, um, and no ganaki. Um, and it, it literally, I mean, there were, there were probably eight breadsticks in there, and I think he ate them all. So, I mean, at least he got a filling dinner, mm -hmm. but it was only breadsticks. And it was, like, still to this day a, a core memory for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I hope he hears this and knows that it was, like, something I'll always remember. I hope because he makes changes. I hope he makes some positive changes in his life, you know? Yeah, I mean, and it wasn't like a, this isn't a, a child. So mm. um, it was crazy. But I mean, the breadsticks are, they are really good. I don't know that I could eat like six and I don't know that it's a dinner, but you know what? To each his own. You know, there are plenty of instances we've all been forced to have something for dinner that we really would have liked to have done something maybe a little bit better, a little bit healthier, but especially when you're in a pinch and it's like, all I can eat is this, you know, yeah. candy bar or something like that. And then I have to run. That's <sighs> life. And you were talking about, um, you were, you're, you're, and I, like I said, he wasn't a child and he wasn't right out of college, but like when, 
you are on a, a journalist salary and you're making ends meet. I mean, maybe you just need breadsticks. And I, I very much understand that. Like you were talking, um, looking for jobs on the STA talent website. Like I, I actually wanted to ask you if when you were right out of school, like did you apply to traditional local news jobs, like looking for a sports um, broadcaster job? Or did you just happen to find the WWE one and, and all the pieces fell into place? No, so I, I was working my network as much as I could and paying attention to STA talent. Um, I had no interest in working in local sports, and it's nothing against anybody that does that. I had done an internship in Hartford, Connecticut, working in their sports um, their sports department, and the sports segment was two minutes or less. Mm-hmm. And I remember working in the tape room and seeing the pressure that the reporter was under to try and condense the tape and write a script, et cetera. And it wasn't so much the pressure of it. It just didn't seem fun. It didn't seem like something I was like, I, I, I don't understand why somebody would commit themselves to this type of existence. And maybe that was a singular experience, but that like many internships shaped the way that I wanted to move forward. And I think it's totally. such an important thing for college kids, do a freaking internship, paid or unpaid, do it. You're going to find out what you want to do and what you don't want to do. And that's far more valuable information than any paycheck. So when I was looking on STA talent, I was looking for teams that I could go work for a lot of jobs in uh, baseball, minor league baseball. So I had applied to the Billings Mustangs in Montana. I made it to the second round of interviews uh, and didn't get it. And then a few months later, the WWE opportunity came up. So I've been working my network within State College also as well at that point in time. Um, Really wanted to stay connected to the Penn State sports community. Just didn't work out that way. But uh, it worked out in a different way. So I have nothing to complain about. What is your like dream opportunity within wrestling if you have one and i mean kind of a job interview question but like where do you see yourself going with this opportunity um that's presented itself to you and that you've been able to do now for what's more than 10 years yeah it's it's an odd question in in wrestling i'm very fortunate in that you know i've been able to check a lot of things off my bucket list And WWE is a powerhouse within professional wrestling and in entertainment as a whole. So this it's no slight on any other promotion. Um, I am thrilled to be a part of impact a company that I believe is on the rise and is trying to get back to its former glory. I want to be a part of that. I want to see this company into the future, what that looks like exactly. uh, That's not really for me to say that's for me to help, build and be a part of and to be the voice for a lot of those moments uh it means the world to me i think maybe uh, not maybe the most emotional moment in my career uh up until this year had been uh kofi kingston winning the wwe championship at wrestlemania uh commonly referred to as kofi mania and that was until uh we did the rebellion pay-per-view this past april and a friend of mine uh steve macklin who i've been friends with since our time in WWE, since 2014, we met, uh, became the Impact World Champion and a journey that was, you know, twisting and winding. And he worked his ass off to get to that point. He helped me get a foot in the door at Impact, helped me get a job there. So uh, I was in tears after the show. So to be a part of more moments like that for Impact to help them get back to the glory that they have 
uh, experience and that they are entirely capable of getting back to again, that's what matters to me right now. So now I get to ask you my favorite question. Um, what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Mm. Uh, best piece of advice I ever got. Um, or your favorite piece of advice, I guess. Uh, I remember writing this in uh, my, <laughs> this is cheesy. I remember writing this in my high school yearbook, my senior year as a little, like there was a page you could write, you know, a thank you to family or friends or something like that. And I remember writing to my parents, uh, thank you for telling me all the things I didn't want to hear. Cause hmm. I can be a little thick skulled and some things that, you know, I, 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 everybody wants to be right. I want to be right. I want to do the best job possible. Sometimes you just don't necessarily want to hear certain things, and I need to hear those things. I'm very fortunate. I've had a lot of people over the years who have told me the things that I didn't want to hear and made sure that I didn't just fall by the wayside. And those are people in WWE, now in Impact, uh, my opportunities with ESPN, my opportunities with Believe, in my personal life, my close circle of friends. The people have been willing to tell me to my face, hey, this is going great, but this needs to be better. Hey, you really messed this up. This needs to improve, et cetera. So having those people in your life, it's critical because otherwise you can't grow. That's a good one. And I always say that every time I ask somebody that, I never get the same piece of advice and we've done it again, a fresh piece. Um, you mentioned Believe, State of State. We've talked so much about Penn State um, and everyone can listen to your podcast um, mm -hmm. talking all things Penn State, not just football, right? Yes. All so things. we're steadily going to get into talking about more Penn State sports. I hope to expand the people that you see on the channel to cover Penn State basketball, Penn State hockey, maybe even Penn State wrestling, not pro wrestling, but the legitimate great, yeah. pro, great wrestling that you see at Penn State. They win national championships every single year. So I'm hoping to expand things beyond just the Penn State football program. But right now, uh, myself and Justin King do State of State. We come out right now every Wednesday on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And then once the season gets underway, we'll be doing preview and recap episodes probably two, three times a week, something like that. So I'm having a great time with it. It's a it's a it's a labor of love. I, I care about Penn State. I care about the community and hopefully we're giving back in a small way. Uh, especially with the rise of NIL benefits is something I feel very strongly about is giving back to active student athletes, improving their present, but also their future. So hopefully we can do a small part in that. So we'll see. That's awesome. You shared where everyone can find um, the podcast. And as we wrap up, where can everyone find you? I am on Instagram and Twitter at Tom Hannafin, T-O-M-H-A-N-N-I-F-A-N. Uh, I am in all those places with the podcast, and then Impact Wrestling is every Thursday night here in the United States on Access TV. That's A-X-S TV. You can check us out for our live broadcasts on Impact Plus, Fight TV, YouTube for our Ultimate Insiders, uh, and all the information is at impactwrestling.com. So that's been your scoop du jour. That's been your scoop to door. That is a great way to end it. I, I mean, you did it for me. And you, I mean, where can everyone find my podcast? Can you close it out? Scoop du jour is online. Everywhere where you can find your podcast. Everywhere you can get your stuff. Yeah. That, I need that broadcast voice that has been like 11 years in the making, 11 years plus, you know, like the, 
the Tom Hannafin broadcast voice is really you just, good. You just Maybe gotta, we can have I, an intro made. You just got to say it confidently. It can be absolute nonsense, but just say it with confidence and you'll yeah. be fine. I took voice and diction in college and we had a really good professor. Um, I love to do this, end the show and then not really end it. Um, <laughs> his name was Professor Cup and we like used to lay on the floor and practice our voice and diction with our diaphragm and mm. use crisp consonants. And I was so fond of him. I still am. And he was so wonderful. And I always wonder if I'm like doing him justice in how I was a broadcaster and on my podcast. I'm like, am I, are my consonants crisp or am I just saying like all the time? I don't know. Anyway, that's your scoop, Tom. This was a pleasure. It was so nice to chat with you, to meet you. Um, we should get Olive Garden when you're here in um, Chicago doing all wrestling things. But you know what? Chicago has good um, Italian food, so we can get some ganaki and minestrone elsewhere. Minestrone. <laughs> I'll see you in Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, thank you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.